There he goes, the great hardball Harge, and here we go. It is Trey and BK, the award-winning Trey and BK right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. So wait a second. We're not to November just yet, so you're trying to get a head start? I'm getting a head November start. November stash? Yeah, it's part of uh, the Halloween costume uh, also. but What, are you going as a state police officer? Going as a pedo. A pedo? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I did that several years ago. It was I, uh, my daughter's first Halloween. Did you? Yeah. She was she was dressed like a little pumpkin, and I had a mustache because I shaved the beard off. So I went as a, a successful pedophile. And is that what people when you? I'm sorry, I went as a kidnapper. Excuse me, not he, a pedophile. He, why do you say? Why do so I keep weird. saying it like that? I'm saying it like I'm British right now. <laughs> it's pedophile, dude. I pronounce everything correctly, so I know this. Yeah, pedophile. No, that's not it. Oh boy. Yeah, it's going to be a long show today, isn't it? So when people asked what you were dressed up as, you told them you were. Kidnapper. Okay. Yeah. Uh, pedophile. I, I went as a kidnapper, and so um, we obviously took some, some funny photos that were shared on social media with her just looking adorable in this little pumpkin outfit and me looking like a creep with a mustache, which is what you look like if you have a mustache for 95% of guys, right? Can I borrow your kid? Uh, you can borrow one of my kids. There you go. Wait a second. I could be a kidnapper. Damn it, my Armenian roots coming out again. Just giving a, a mustache <laughs> creep my kids. Oh, God. But uh, So we went out for a Halloween party after that. It was like one of the first times we went out yeah. after uh, after having after uh, Justine had Vivi. And so I just kept the mustache. And I told people that night that I was uh, a kidnapper, a successful kidnapper, because uh, my, my kid was at home. And so that did not sit well with people most of whom were still single and didn't even have kids anyhow it's like oh stop acting sanctimonious with me right now this is halloween you look like you have an axe going through your head right now but because <laughs> i bring up something that's a little bit too terrifying for you all of a sudden i'm the asshole well you know how life works we're all offended on behalf of other people true so all the parents were like oh that's genius and all the people without kids are like oh that's so offensive you're bothering me it's like shut up Shut up. You're not actually bothered by this. You're just trying to fit in. Yeah, you should talk to me on a non-Halloween night. Then it gets real weird. Yeah, that is weird because you do like to kidnap a lot, and that's uh, <laughs> a bad hobby of Wait yours. Wait a second. <laughs> We've been trying to get rid of that one for a while, haven't we? <laughs> Welcome to the show. We're having some fun today. Hey, come out to Covert Bee Cave. We're broadcasting live, of course, from the Covert Bee Cave studios. Lifetime Longhorn Norman Watkins is upstairs right now. Bucky is here. Free food is here as well. Thanks to our friends at Verde's and our friends at Smokey Moe's for, for providing lunch. You've got about an hour to come by and say what's up. Get your picture taken with Norm. Get some autographs. Get some free food and talk plenty of Texas Longhorn football, which, of course, we'll be doing over the next 55 minutes. Also in about 10 minutes, Jared Sandler from the Texas Rangers Radio Network will be joining us to preview game one and really preview the entirety of the World Series, which of course gets going tonight. Jared's been on the call for all of these games all season long. Nobody better to talk to about the Rangers than Jared. And we'll see if the Rangers can win their first World Series in franchise history. Of course, the D-Bags going for their second World Series title in team history. And uh, we'll give our picks today. We'll have where are we at in society at the end of the show. We are locked and loaded for the next 54 minutes. What an exciting sports weekend this is, just selfishly speaking, because Malik Murphy is going to be under center for the Longhorns tomorrow. Do we see Arch at all? And how does this team respond to a, a disappointing victory over Houston last weekend? And then also the Texas Rangers making it back to the World Series. I mean, even a week ago, uh, gosh, especially after the Friday night game, not sure how to feel about the prospects of uh, them making it to the World Series, but here we are, and 
weirdly, they're the favorites too, but you certainly can't sleep on the Arizona D-backs, much like the Rangers. They've shown an incredible amount of resilience throughout the course of the 2023 season and then uh, even more so in the playoffs. Whatever soul that I had left left my body at Z Tejas last Friday night once Altuve <laughs> hit that home run. I mean, I like blacked out in just anger and rage and – Oh, man, it was a disaster being in public at that moment. And I thought it was over. I'd left the Rangers for dead after that moment. I think most people did, too. But this team, both ball clubs, man. I mean, it's the first time they went to this seven-game CS format in 1985. Trey, it's the first time both the ALCS and NLCS winners won game six and seven on the road to get to the World Series. That's how rare what the Rangers and what the D-Bags did to get here. Wow, that is crazy to think yeah. about. Boy, I'm with you too, man. I'm so glad Texas won this series because that Friday night, it was the gut punch of all gut punches. I mean, that felt, it's strange to say because the circumstances weren't quite as big, but it felt like that Nelson Cruz play back in 2011. Oh, God, don't bring that up. We don't need that kind of juju to start this World Series. But I was surrounded by my wife and kids. We were at Slapbox. We were also in public, and there were Astros fans cheering a table literally a table away from us and other people in the restaurant that were excited about that home run and you're like shut up or i'm taking your kid <laughs> that's what you do <laughs> no i said shut up or i'm taking these kids sitting across from me right now and they're like well they're your kids please do take them we don't want them oh my uh, but God. it was just like my justine was trying to console me and i was just like please don't talk to me right now but not saying that out loud my kids were being cheery little kids, even though they understood that it was a bad moment for the Rangers. And eventually I just had to take that breath and move on. That is awesome. Shout out to Pedro who uh, hits us up on the YouTube comment line. I love all the hosts, but Trey and BK are my favorite duo. What's up guys. What's up, Pedro. Appreciate the kind words. What up? Appreciate you loving everybody too. That's uh that's important. All right. Yeah. Huge sports weekend. Uh, we've got a week of all four going on because the NBA is back. The NHL is back football and baseball. It's a great time to be a sports fan, which means it's a great time to call AV consultations, by the way, 512-255-8678 to get your home TV set up. Let's hear from Steve Sarkeesian. We've got our man Brock here as well, helping out. Brock will go with the uh, will arch play on Saturday cut. Here is Sark from yesterday answering that question. Like I said, Malik's going to start the game and, and, and go play in this game. Uh, I haven't made a, a, a decision if, if I'm going to get Arch in there just to get him in there and or not. Um, but we, we have we have discussed that some um, because I do think there's some valuable experience for him in that. But I have to make sure that that's in the best interest of the team. Right. And I have to make sure that um, the, the team comes first in everything that we do. Um, but I do I do see the value in something like that. I just I just I'm not ready to make that make that call yet. I think within the course of him flip flopping back and forth there, we haven't discussed it. But we've talked about it a little bit. Not sure whether I'm ready to make that decision, but I see the value of it. Like, I think it's pretty obvious at this point that we're going to see Arch Manning at some point tomorrow. I think it's obvious that you're crazy. Really? Yeah. Yep. I wow. mean, look, there are multiple scenarios where we do see Arch Manning tomorrow, right? Malik Murphy gets hurt. Okay. We see Arch Manning. Malik Murphy sucks. Okay. We see Arch Manning. Malik Murphy plays so well that Texas has a four touchdown lead with five minutes to go. Okay, we see Arch Manning. To me, those are the scenarios. Like, you were talking about this yesterday. 
you think, you know, maybe Malik gets a couple of series and then Arch gets the third series, something like that, like a little bit of a quarterback rotation. Maybe fourth. I don't, I just don't think we see that. Like we've never seen that from Sark. That's why I don't think we're going to see it. Now you're right. He hasn't completely closed the door on it during his press conferences this week, but that just feels out of character for what Steve Sarkeesian has always done, both at Texas and in previous stops. Let me give two more scenarios okay. where we may see Arch and former league Murphy. One is Texas being up 14 to nothing going into the second quarter. The defense is just manhandling the BYU offense, and they look like they're in control. It's the fourth series of the game. Here comes Arch Manning. Can mm-hmm. you see that one? No, I can't. Okay. I can't. And then the other scenario is Malik Murphy just playing in a, a middling sort of manner, and this being a close game going into halftime where maybe they do try to provide a little bit of a spark. So Malik Murphy's not playing terribly, but he isn't doing what he needs to to help this team uh, to be out on front by a couple of scores at halftime. Hmm. I can't see that one either. Okay. I think that's more likely than your first scenario, but I just I, I feel like as long as Malik isn't turning the ball over a bunch and as long as Texas isn't down by multiple scores midway through the second quarter at the earliest, then I think this is going to be a Malik Murphy game tomorrow. Does it make a difference if you were to consider Quinn yours as a guy who's not necessarily week to week with that shoulder injury, but likely going to miss a big chunk of, if not the rest of the regular season? It doesn't. I would understand how maybe some Texas fans' minds would be changed with that knowledge, but no, I mean, I, I expect Sark to ride it out with Malik Murphy and see if it works not only tomorrow but also for the rest of the season if that's what is required history is on your side so if anybody is speaking rationally and logically right now it's you but sometimes you have to get real weird with these things and with a quarterback situation where neither guy has any experience you need to take the steps in this game if you see the opportunity and it could be for for good or for bad uh, to get him in there, even if for a couple of series, when it counts a little bit more versus in mop-up duty. Forget Arch for a second. What's your confidence level in just Malik Murphy going out there and playing well tomorrow? I think that given a week, we're not going to see him throwing fastballs on all the receivers that he's hitting across the field. I think we see him try some easy throws early on, but Sark is also going to challenge him, especially if, he's, if we see some successes on some of those easier throws. But I think Malik Murphy... It may be a bit of a mixed bag, but I think overall it's going to be a positive experience that we get from Malik Murphy tomorrow. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic yeah. about Malik Murphy, and it doesn't have as much to do with Malik Murphy as it has to do with the fact that it's anybody making his first career collegiate start. Like, I was nervous about Quinn Ewers last year when he was making his first start. I was nervous about Sam Ellinger when he made his first start. Colt McCoy, VY, I mean, everybody. Like, it just scares me a little bit when we're talking about a guy making his first start at any level of football, but especially with all that's on the line for Texas tomorrow. With the fact that you know they control their own destiny for a Big 12 championship game appearance. If they lose, they don't. Uh, they still control their own destiny, I think, for a college football playoff spot. If they lose, they don't. With all of that stuff on the line, it's like there's plenty of reasons to think Malik Murphy could be a little bit nervous tomorrow could be a little bit rattled tomorrow now i know he's been waiting for this situation his whole life i don't think he's going to be scared but there's just a lot of factors at play here to where it's like okay i'm a little bit nervous and a little bit weary of what we might see all right how about this for a first play tomorrow no not the xavier worthy smoke screen play action handoff to jonathan brooks malik murphy throws deep okay cool 
I'm signing up for that. I mean, you know, we're going to see a swing screen to Xavier Worthy, so there's, there's no point in even having this conversation. I hope that Steve Sarkeesian doesn't just think it's business as usual with Malik, Malik Murphy in there, and he's okay with him throwing the football 17 times in the first half, like with Quinn Ewers last week. I guess the caveat is if he's 16 for 17, then you take that because there were a lot of shorter throws that Quinn Ewers was completing to go along with deep balls too but there's no need to have him throw it that much in his very first game. You have two extremely talented running backs, one of whom is near the top of college football in terms of yards gained, and he didn't even get the uh, the bell cow duties the first two games of the season, so he very easily could be leading the country in rushing right now. Yeah. You don't need to make this more difficult on yourself than it needs to be. Yeah, I mean, that's it, right? That's any quarterback's best friend, a good run game, and that is a way to take some of the pressure off of Malik Murphy if you just feed Jonathan Brooks and C.J. Baxter a bunch. and You've got to be effective running the football. Now, you would think BYU is going to load the box, right? Like they, they know what Texas is probably going to try to do tomorrow. So they're going to do whatever they can to prevent that. But maybe there's a way you can still have success running the football. Hell, Texas against Kansas had a bunch of success. They ran it 51 times for 330 yards. They had the ball for nearly 40 minutes. That's what you want to see from Texas. BYU is going to stop it, but hopefully your big boys up front can win the battle on the lines of scrimmage, and you're still able to run effectively even if they're expecting you to do so. That's right. When this team is at their best, they are sustaining offensive drives and keeping that defense fresh at the same time. And uh, the defense has done a great job throughout the year of, uh, of really quick turnarounds. Remember that Kansas game, the Jayhawks, typically in the Lance uh, Leipold era are looking to grind drives out to try and keep their defense a little bit fresher. Well, Texas flipped the script on them, and that was one of, if not their best game of the year. I guess you could argue Alabama was a better game. But in terms of uh, of overall team performance, I love uh, thinking back on that one. Let's see them get back to that now, grinding drives out, giving the ball to Brooks, letting Malik Murphy take his chances as well, of course, and then uh, hopefully we don't see this defense uh, wear down like what we saw in Dallas and to a lesser degree against Houston last week. Agreed. All right, we'll get back into Texas and BYU, but now we got to talk some baseball. Yeah. World Series game one tonight, Globe Life Field in Arlington. And joining us now to talk all about tonight's game and the entirety of the World Series is our guy Jared Sandler from the Texas Rangers Radio Network. What's up, Jared? What's up, guys? You guys like this fake plant I have over my shoulder? Oh, you're telling me that's not real? I thought you've been growing that for years. No, I don't think it's, I don't know what it's called because I don't make these decisions in our house, but <laughs> apparently it's not real. You could have fooled me, but I got, you know, you'd think for the World Series, I could come with some sort of aesthetically pleasing background, but I got some whatever shades or blinds and then this stupid plant. You're telling me before you were married, you didn't have that exact same plant at your place, Jerry? <laughs> I, I, you know what? You would have seen a way more enjoyable background uh, before I was married with bobbleheads and silly trinkets and stuff. Uh, we have a, a place for that, but it's basically a part of the house where only I ever venture. And uh, it's unfortunately not where I typically do these things. I need to, I need to, uh, I need to put my foot down, right? I mean, I'm now. <laughs> We're coming up on five years married. I, I think I need to put my foot down and say, "Hun, for our anniversary, I, I want I want to have a, a house or a room that resembles a fourteen-year-old sports fan's room because that's what go. it's all about." <laughs> well, you know what they say: "Happy husband, happy happy life." Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's the expression. Sure. All right, Jared. Well, man, it's it, I love having you on. I always love talking to you, but obviously, having you on 
the day of game one of the World Series means that the Texas Rangers are a part of the World Series. And it's been a long time coming, man. Just before we start to preview this series, just your thoughts on this team. Obviously, the rebuild over the last couple of years, going from 100 losses two years in a row, the six straight losing seasons, to winning 90, and then obviously doing enough in the postseason to get to this World Series. Just kind of some overall thoughts on the wild ride that it has been for this rebuilding Rangers team. Yeah, so rebuilds aren't fun. And unfortunately in baseball, uh, you know, it, it it the collective bargaining agreement is such that it incentivizes teams to go into rebuild mode. And it's not like the NFL where when you go into rebuild mode, you can also watch the best college football players the day before and dream of your team drafting that guy and that guy, if a quarterback changing the complexion of your franchise that very next year or having the distraction of fantasy football and all the other things that go on. The NBA, you don't I don't think people are as charged up for fantasy basketball, but you can, you know, watch that that college basketball grade or follow Victor Wembanyama and think, man, you know, we stink, but we're going to get this guy possibly. Baseball, that guy, you know, you can get, but he might not pay off for another 3, 4, 5 years. And so just I think it's it's the toughest sport, even tougher than hockey as well to, as a fan, sit through a rebuild. And as is the case with any rebuild, there's never a guarantee. You know, you you can think of the the Cubs, you can think of the Astros and teams for which it worked out, but then you think about the Mariners going 20 years without a playoff spot. Uh, The Pirates, when I was growing up, when you guys were growing up, Pirates were irrelevant. They just, all they did was rebuild, and they failed, and they went back, and they failed, and they went back. And so I think one of the, the prevailing thoughts for me throughout the season was, holy smokes, all right, the Rangers are out of the rebuild process. They're they're now in compete mode. And it's just not easy to do. It's not a given. And when it fails, it's even worse because then you got to start over from the beginning. And so uh, I think that's that's been the biggest thing is that this team has graduated from rebuild mode into open up the window of competitive uh, baseball mode. And uh, hopefully that stays open for a long time. And obviously uh, this you know recent stretch has, exceeded any realistic expectations uh, for the team to be playing for a chance to win a World Series. It's just been a, a dream, I think, for Rangers fans. Exceeding expectations indeed. However, there was reason for optimism heading into this season, Jared. The team had been spending big money, but wise big money over these last couple of off seasons. But perhaps the biggest reason for optimism was Chris Young talking Bruce Bochy out of retirement. I remember uh, reading that headline when it came down saying, holy cow, this team is going to compete for a playoff spot this year. And sure enough, here we are right now. What has impressed you the most uh, about being around Bruce Bochy this season? He's the same guy every day. I know that's you know probably a cliche that's used a lot for a manager or a head coach of a sport, uh, sports team that that is successful. But you think about this year, I mean, it's been – like a roller coaster ride, unlike any other, with going from spending the first half of the season like one of the ah, is it the best team in baseball. I mean, I don't know, might be to then the second half of the season, one day waking up feeling like they're going to win the division to the next week straight feeling like, oh, they might not even make the playoffs. So back on top of the division to, oh, no, not a playoff team. And the range of emotions and the way they were losing games, too. I mean, with the bullpen struggles that they experienced. They're losing games late. You know, it's almost better maybe to give up five in the first inning and be knocked out from the start as opposed to having that hope. And it was it was such a demoralizing time. And Bruce Bochy was the same exact guy. 
And I think that his disposition and his behavior on a daily basis uh, allowed the guys who also carry carry out a similar disposition to behave that way and then impact the rest of the clubhouse. There's no doubt that he is a master tactician, uh, and there's no doubt that he's had other influences on this team. He still knows the game. He's incredibly sharp, and I think a lot of the ways he's navigated the pitching situation this postseason is is uh, evidence of that. But I just think with this team and the way this season has gone and its trajectory, Bruce Bochy's even keel nature has been incredibly valuable. Jared Sandler of the Texas Rangers Radio Network joining us here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Uh, Jared, you talk about demoralizing. That was a word you used in your last answer. That Jose Altuve home run in the ninth inning of Game 5 felt as about felt about as demoralizing as you could possibly get. And I'll be honest, I, I thought the series was over after that game. Like I, I know how good the Rangers have been on the road. I know how bad the Astros had been at home, but it just it doesn't feel like that's the type of gut punch that you can bounce back from. Did you think the series was over after that? Or did you have confidence that no, this team was actually capable of winning those two games in Houston like they did? So I'll tell you what my outlook was before that game. Uh, when you looked at the next three games and the pitching matchups, that game, game five, Montgomery versus Verlander, felt like a toss-up. Not, I, I would take Montgomery over Verlander, but you just can't disrespect playoff Justin Verlander and think even though he has, I don't want to say struggled, he's not the same guy that he wouldn't just show up in a big moment like that. Mm-hmm. I felt like the next game, game six in Houston, major advantage for the Rangers. Uh, Framber Valdez has really struggled, and Nathan Avaldi is big game Nate. And then I thought game seven was a pretty big advantage on paper for the Astros with how well Christian Javier had pitched of late and how well he did against the Rangers earlier in the season and the mystery bag of, of Max Scherzer. So it felt like the winner of game five had a major leg up. And uh, so for it to slip through the cracks like that, it, it was demoralizing. And I do think that during the regular season, of baseball, maybe any sport, but especially baseball fans overhype the significant of a big win and how that might set the team in the right direction. And they also overhype the significance of a big loss and how that might derail the season. But in game five of the ALCS in what is already an emotionally charged, uh, emotionally charged series, you give up a home run like that. I do think, again, it's never as bad as you think. It's never as good as you think. But it's very possible that that just sucks the life out of you. We've seen it happen in sports before with losses like that. But I thought the saving grace was Nathan Ovaldi. Because if you get a good outing from your pitcher, it almost forces everyone else to you know continue to keep going. I, I think, though, in retrospect, it probably was silly to think that it was going to suck the life out of them. Because it didn't seem to phase them one bit. Uh, no, I did not think the series was unequivocally over. No, I was not taking that flight to Houston thinking all good, all good. Not worried one bit. Right. It was, it was somewhere in between definitely felt like the Rangers had let a tremendous chance, uh, slip away with that home run, but you get to a game seven and you just never know. And the other thing too, BK and Trey, I, this stuff is always easy to say after the fact at some point, the Astros' run was going to end. And they're just going into the series. 
it felt like this was the year it was going to happen. It mm-hmm. felt like it was lined up perfectly with how dominant the Astros had been over the Rangers in the regular season. And everyone is leaning Rangers and or leaning Astros. It felt like this was the year. And I kind of felt, I, I thought about that. And I thought about Nathan Avaldi getting the team to a game seven and letting, letting the chips fall where they may uh, beyond that. And uh, I do think in game seven guys, I hate to say that Dusty Baker was the reason they lost. That's not why they lost. I think that Bruce Bochy outmanaged Dusty Baker in game six and seven. And I think a part of what Bruce Bochy did or maybe what Dusty Baker didn't do in game six contributed to the Rangers' advantage going into game seven. Yeah, I don't want to linger too much on this, but I feel like that extra day in between game five and six also helped out. Like I remember going back to 2011 – and the uh, the Nelson Cruz debacle in right field, like they had to get back on the horse and, and play that very next day. And I felt like that worked to their disadvantage. But uh, to get that day to really take a breath and uh, and and think about things and then move past it, uh, I'd like to think that uh, that ultimately that was uh, that was a benefit to the Rangers too. Yeah. Now, j- quickly, you're right. But remember, they had the rain out before game seven. And so they actually delayed it a day. And that allowed, what was it, Chris Carpenter to go back and take the mound? He wasn't going to pitch. But, fair. but but to your point, Trey, yeah, I mean, they had to show up to the park. You know, they didn't have a day. They didn't, they didn't go to sleep after game six knowing, hey, we got a day to just totally unwind, right? I think you're right. I do think that that day allowed them to flush it out. And, hey, here's the other thing, too. The – Martin Maldonado trotted out to the set for FS1 after the game and said, oh, you know, Adolis Garcia and the Rangers woke us up. I think that the Astros kind of, I don't want to say they woke the Rangers up, but the Astros did themselves no favors by puffing their chest out and, and providing even a little tiny bit of emotional charge to the Rangers. And let's not forget what happened when Framber Valdez hit Marcus Simeon. The Rangers were losing that game three to nothing uh, in Houston, and that that fired them up. This is a team that has responded well to that emotional injection into a game or into a series. Uh, and I'll tell you, there's no love loss between the Rangers and the Astros. And a lot of times I think those rivalries are really more fan-driven at the professional level. and the college level, I think that the, the, the athletes are more a part of it. Uh, I think it's way more territorial in college, but the Astros are not a team that other teams around the league love. And uh, the Rangers were not lacking in any level of motivation to get back up on the horse and, and take care of business. So interested to see what Max Scherzer does in game three, Jared, obviously his first start back, uh, from that shoulder issue, the slider was flat. The curveball looked really good. The fastball was okay, but that slider was flat and the Astros uh, jumped on it on a couple of different occasions. I thought he looked better in game seven. Do you think uh, he's, he's about to turn another corner and uh, we see a, a Max Scherzer that we've all become accustomed to over the years uh, in terms of a guy who is not giving up any easy runs and is uh, able to get, I don't know, maybe four to five innings worth of outs for this Rangers team? I hope so. And you're right about the slider. The slider was just really not effective pitch uh, in game three. And when he came back in game seven, he threw more curveballs than sliders. And so I think that right there is what gives me confidence about Max Scherzer. I don't I don't necessarily have full confidence he is going to be the same level of Max Scherzer in terms of his dominance as, say, the last couple of years, but I still think you can't discount what goes on between the years. He is very sharp. He understands how to pitch. He understands his body. 
And even something as simple as making the adjustment and, and starting to throw more of the curveball than the slider because that pitch was more effective his first start back and continued to uh, remain more effective when he pitched in game seven, you know, as limited as that outing was. I think that I, I think that he has the brain and the mind to try and navigate through this. Now, hopefully one more start removed from the return. He is in better condition. He is knocking off the rust. Uh, but it, it's funny, Trey, when I someone asked me earlier today about this series and I said, well, you know, these teams are very different in a lot of ways. They're also similar in a lot of ways. They're both uh, they've both been aided by bullpens this postseason that let them down significantly during the regular season. They've turned a corner and they're both led by two really good starting pitchers. And it's crazy to think that when you mention those two for the Rangers, it's Evaldi and Montgomery. It, it, not a slight to Max Scherzer, but he's not he's not one of those two right now. But he is a guy who very easily could give you that type of performance on a big stage, and I think his mind is a big reason why. Jared, more preview of this Rangers D-back series. Where do you think the Rangers have the biggest on-paper edge going into this one, and where do you think maybe the D-backs have the biggest on-paper edge? Well, so I think the Rangers lineup is way better. The, the D-backs yeah. do a really good job of, of taking advantage of what they have. Their athleticism on the bases is huge. Uh, and has been very vital to their success. They go first to third. They go first to home really well. They steal bags. I, I think it would be unfair to say they're a small ball team. I think that almost corners them in a way that uh, is disrespectful to the rest of what they bring. Uh, but they were among the leaders in sack flies, right? They do a good job of putting the ball in play and giving themselves chances to score with runners on base in less than two outs. They will bunt. Uh, their their bunting numbers are a little inflated when you look at their regular season numbers. It's it's a lot of guys who aren't around, and then one guy in particular, Geraldo Perdomo, who carried the lion's share of that, and, and he'll play. Uh, so you know you got to watch out for that. But I just think that as as much as we love uh, the underdog story, in a way their lineup is an underdog story with the way that they manufacture runs. The Rangers lineup's way better. Uh, I think where the Diamondbacks have the edge is that they've got a deeper bullpen. I don't know that their back three are necessarily unequivocally better. Uh, you know, Kevin Ginkle, Ryan Thompson, and Paul Seawald have been outstanding, but so have Josh Spores, Aroldis Chapman, Jose LeClerc. But I think that the Diamondbacks have a a a deeper uh, a deeper bullpen, maybe a wider circle of trust for Tori Lovello in terms of high leverage situations than Bruce Bochy. So. I think for both teams, it's super important to get length out of their starters. Obviously, not a not a bold statement there. I think it might be a little bit more important for the Rangers just because I don't think their bullpen is as deep with high leverage arms as maybe Arizona's comfortable using it this time. Are you surprised at all at Josh Sabor's postseason success so far, Jared? No, I'm not. Uh, so if you go back, and I got receipts for this, right? It's easy. I can just <laughs> and say it. Uh, one of the things I said right before the postseason – was that I expected, or or Josh Boards was an X factor, and and I tweet way too much. I'm such an annoying tweeter; it's not easy to find. <laughs> but I cited I cited his numbers through the first three months of the year. It, through the first three months of the season, you take all relievers in baseball. Josh Boards was best in Major League Baseball among relievers at at lowest OPS yielded, second in whiff rate. Uh, and I think second or third in batting average against. Those aren't numbers over a week. Those aren't numbers over even a month. Those are three months worth of numbers, and you can't just luck into that. 
right? You can luck into a good ERA for three months as a reliever, right? You can't luck into those numbers. He got hurt, tried to pitch through it, was awful. Came back, probably wasn't all the way back. He had enough juice, had a good eight outing stretch, and then was, you know, the, the injury popped back up. It was a hamstring that turned into an ankle for compensation, and they just shut him down and said, we're not going to get you back on there until you're right. They couldn't afford to because they needed good innings from the bullpen, but they also needed to get him right. He is a guy who, when he is healthy and he appears to be healthy, he is very, very, very good. And so I thought he was an X factor because it, it, we didn't know. It was similar to Nathan Avaldi. You weren't sure what level of health you were going to get. Avaldi's situation a little bit different. But if you got healthy Josh Spores, that guy the first three months of the season was unreal. And they've gotten that guy back. Didn't know that you were going to get that guy for sure. Yeah. But he has been that guy. And he has been to me, maybe the, the the biggest unsung hero, a part of this run. Jared Sandler of the Texas Rangers Radio Network joining us here for a few more minutes. And, you know, Jared, like us, I mean, Trey and I both grew up in the Metroplex, grew up rooting for the Rangers. You're the same boat. You, you were obviously a fan in, in 2010 and 2011, the last time this team was really, really good. But uh, now for you, both as a fan, but also as, a, as an employee of the team, just on a personal level, man, how cool is it that you're about to be a part of some World Series broadcasts? Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's a dream, right? I, I think really, guys, Eric Nadell has has been so has meant so much to so many people who care so deeply about this organization. And most of his career of 45 years has been spent broadcasting bad baseball. Now, the last last 13 or so years, uh, it's been you know, it's been really good. Obviously, the six year window within that, not so much, but 2010 through 2016, you know, really good teams, even if some of those teams disappointed in various ways. Uh, and then this year, again, back on that competitive horse. But I, I know 2011 eats at all Rangers fans, and I know it eats at him in particular, uh, in particularly. And I'm, I'm excited that he's getting another chance to do this because, you know, at his age, I know that he we've had conversations. He didn't know that he would definitely get this chance again. Right. Uh, so I'm super happy for him, and I'm super happy for all Rangers fans. Uh, it's not easy rooting for an organization that's never won, right? You can't fall back on that, or maybe maybe they've won, but never in your lifetime. Like, everyone wants to have one that they can kind of call their own. Well, this organization's not ever won at all, but, uh, you know, they're, they're people there are people who sports for them is a distraction, and that's it, and that's fine. There are people for whom sports means something more to them. Uh, maybe it's just because they're so passionate about it. Maybe it connects them to loved ones, loved ones who are there, loved ones who are no longer with us. And I just heard from so many different Rangers fans about what this run has meant. And it's been really, really cool to hear that uh, because it reminds you after six years of, of indifference and irrelevance, really, of what this team can do and what, what, what it can mean to people. For me – this is incredibly special. I, 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 I'm having a tough time putting this all into words. Uh, I've been asked this question a bunch. I just, I'm trying to enjoy every moment. Uh, this is, I feel like the last thing on my sports, my sports to do list. This is the last of my favorite teams to, to win. And obviously this one is the one that means the most to me because of the connection. And I think about the people, uh, part of the organization who work so hard for this. And I just, Four more wins, guys. I I, yeah. I can't tell you what level of emotion there will be if the Rangers can cross that finish line. 
Oh boy, just starting to think about it gives you chills. Uh, Jared, obviously Marcus Simeon uh, was such an important part of this Rangers lineup throughout the season, and his bat has been relatively quiet up to this point in the postseason. Have you seen signs that uh, it's starting to click for Marcus Simeon at the plate to where maybe we see this guy really setting the table like he did all year long at the top of this Rangers lineup? Yeah, uh, I do. I think if you go back to his last, I guess really his last game. So he had he, he did well in game six. Everyone kind of did. Uh, but if you go back to game seven, I think the discipline, the, the patience at the plate, He's not a guy who's going to, you know, be a, a 12% walk guy, right? No one's confusing Marcus Simeon with Juan Soto, but, and, and I think it's always easy. It's always easy to get upset at a guy for swinging at the first pitch when they pop out, but then we always forget all the production they have when swinging at the first pitch. And that's Marcus. Marcus has a ton of success swinging at the first pitch. It just looks ugly when he's not going well, but I think, you know, not every first pitch swing is equal, right? I, I I don't like when people are like, oh, well, yeah, no, he's great at swinging the first pitch, so let him be. No, no, no. It's about swinging at the right first pitch, right? It, it's Corey Seager does such a good job of this. Uh, for the most part, Corey Seager will swing at the first pitch when it's in the zone. He does a really good job of laying off the first pitch if it's not a good pitch to hit. And Marcus, at times this year, has gotten caught up in just getting first pitch swing happy. But I think the plate discipline that he started to demonstrate over the last couple of games to me was really encouraging. Now, credit the Astros, too. They did an exceptional job of executing a game plan, forcing Marcus to, uh, you know, attack pitches over the outside part of the plate. I imagine Arizona will do the same. He's going to have to make those adjustments, but he's got to do a better job of making life easier on himself by not swinging at bad pitches. Uh, and I thought he did a better job of that over the last two games. Mm. Jared, last thing before we let you go. It's a, a question from one of our viewers on YouTube. What's your favorite Creed song? <laughs> Whatever song is going to help this team get four <laughs> more wins, I think is the best answer. I I am old enough to remember Creed back when they were a thing, and it's kind of bizarre to me that Creed is a thing again, uh, but it's fun and whatever. Uh, I mean, higher is the most popular one, I think, is it maybe my sacrifice is the one that I think might fire you up the most? <laughs> I just hope that it's been cool when they've played Creed at the games here recently, getting the whole crowd to to sing along. And I hope they continue to do it because anything that connects a fan base to a team, I think is really cool. Whether it's Creed or Nickelback or something, maybe a little more up my alley, like, you know, Jay-Z or, or Tupac or Biggie. I, it doesn't matter to me. As long as you can connect the fans to the team, I think it's really neat and, if fans have taken some pleasure out of finding or feeling a connection to the team with greed, then, uh, then I'm all for it. I mean, if there's a game seven, Scott Stapp has to throw the first pitch out, right? I mean, you know, they, they already had him out to game three against the Astros and that didn't go so well. Uh, (laughs) Maybe, maybe, you know, you know how superstitious guys can be, but uh, um, I'm sure that that that's the thing guys. I mean, gosh, I hope that Nicola Creed's not watching this. Imagine if it was like, I don't know, maybe not even someone the level of Jay-Z. Maybe it was like Steven Tyler or something, or uh, who's the lead singer? Or, or, or God, it was like Dave Grohl. Yeah. Like think of like how ape crap everyone would go if like Dave Grohl showed up and the Foo Fighters start playing. But, you know, we got Creed and 
We love Creed. Go Creed. <laughs> Whatever it takes, brother. Jared, yeah. you're the man. We uh, really do appreciate your time always and rooting for the Rangers for a number of reasons over this next week and a half. But uh, you're at the top of the list, man. Would love to would love to see this team get one for you, and hopefully we can all be celebrating here soon. Well, appreciate it. I'm just so happy for all Rangers fans, and I hope that everyone continues to enjoy the ride. Yes, absolutely, brother. We'll be listening. Thanks, Jared. Hey guys, thank you. Enjoy the games. There he goes. Jared Sandler, the Texas Rangers radio network, a good dude, a good buddy and uh, a lifelong Rangers fan who is now on the broadcasts for these games. And yeah, man, that uh, almost started tearing up when he talked about Eric Nadell and how many folks would get emotional from the Rangers finally getting able, uh, being able to win one of these things. And it's, uh, It'd be a lot for me too, man. I'd I'd be overcome with emotions if they're able to find four more wins here. I think the most jealous I've been in the last month reading Twitter, which jealousy isn't usually the emotion that I'm feeling reading Twitter, (laughs) but it was uh, Jared talking about being a little bit hungover after the Rangers won the divisional round of the playoffs. Yep. It's like, wow. Got to party with those guys all night. Good for you. Yeah, I think perk of the job. I think God, there's a freaking nap. I, I, there, it was by me by a few it. minutes ago. I'm so glad it's found you now. I didn't want to like clap or bang the table while Jared was on with us, but now for the next 17 minutes, my whole goal is going to be killing that son of a bitch. <laughs> Nat. Um, yeah, I think he actually joined Hards the day after. It was mm. either the Rays series win or the Orioles series win, and he was. Very hungover. Yeah. And he like admitted that too. He's like, yeah, I've, I've been better. I was up, I was up <laughs> late last night with the guys and pretty cool, man. Pretty cool. So how you feeling about the series before we get to our football picks of the weekend, which uh, we of course have to do. How are you feeling about the world series? And do you think the Rangers actually do voice the commissioner's trophy for the first time? Are we giving our pick right now? Sure. Okay. So I've, uh, I know it's not often I do this these these days, but I've poured over the stats with these two teams, BK. And Arizona is very pedestrian. Whether you're talking about offense, pitching, defense, they're really good. Defense, them and the Rangers led the league uh, in terms of defensive percentage this year. But other than stolen bases and triples, this D-backs lineup uh, is... Not all that special. I understand you have individuals in this lineup that are good, but there is a huge advantage on the Rangers in uh, end lineup wise. And I think they've righted the pitching at the proper time too, to where I feel confident about this series right now. Mm. And ultimately I think the Rangers, I'm tempted to pick sweep, but I think the Rangers went in in five. Wow. Very confident. Yeah. Okay. A celebration in the pool in Arizona. Yeah. Oh, for a bad game. You know, part of me wishes that they could win it in Arlington, but a World Series championship is a World Series championship. If it happens in Arizona, I would I would sign up for that right now. I wouldn't care, and I, I'll be there if it is potentially happening in Arizona, and I'll jump in the pool with my cell phone. I don't care. I'm well, going you, in there. You know, if Texas is up either 3-0 or 3-1, yep. tickets become, I think, a little bit more reasonable at that point yeah. for us in Arizona. I'll just take a win however they can get it. Um, yeah, like the Rangers are the better team. Yeah. There's no doubt. But you know who else was better than the D-backs on paper? Philadelphia. Philadelphia, the Dodgers, and the Brewers. Same goes for the three teams the Rangers played. Yes, but this is like the Rangers are a favorite now Yeah, for the first time. They haven't been here. 
the D-bags are underdogs again for the fourth straight series. They have been here. So is there some sort of mental thing for the Rangers? Like, oh, people are actually picking us to win. Do they lose that chip that's been on their shoulder that maybe has been part of why they have gotten to this point? I don't think Bruce Bochy's the type of guy to let that happen. This is where he shines, right? He's been in four of these World Series. This will be his fifth. He's obviously won three of them in his career. Uh, the Rangers are the better team, but I'm convinced that the Rangers will never win a World Series for as long as I'm alive. So I can't pick the Rangers to win a World Series if they're never going to win a World Series. So taking the snakes, the bad guys in six. In, in this six? One. Yep. Oh, boy, that yep. would hurt. And uh, any loss would hurt bad because you don't get opportunities like this. I mean, making it to the World Series, Rangers have been around 50-something years in Arlington, and they've been to three of these things. So it's hard enough to get here, but to get – the team with the worst record in the playoffs as your opponent in the world series. Like this is as good of a situation as you could possibly ask for. So if you do come up short in this one, it would sting, I think more than just about any other. You think there is an X factor within this Rangers offense right now that isn't getting enough run as it pertains to the preview, the World Series preview that we've been going over this week. Mm, A guy that people aren't talking about enough, who I think is going to play well. Uh, man, whose turn is it? I'll go with Jonah Heim. Not that he's been bad, but I'll I'll say he picks it up. I mean, the the Rangers have so many options. Maybe Marcus Simeon is the obvious choice. Like he gets out of his funk and starts producing to the level that he produced in the regular season. But I'll just go with Jonah Heim, middle of the order guy who, you know, Josh Young had his moments in the last round. Leody Tavares has been solid at times in these playoffs. Uh, Nate Lowe's been more down than up. I don't know if I feel good about him considering the way he ended the regular season. Go with Jonah High. Nate Lowe is an interesting name there because we saw a little bit of it in that Houston series. He hit for crap, it felt like, the first couple of games. But he had some moments, uh, home runs and big base hits too, as well as uh, playing pretty solid defense at first base. Yeah. All right, so those are our World Series predictions. We'll take yours. Trey's going with the Rangers. I'm going with the Snakes. We'd love to hear from you, but we got to give our predictions for the football weekend, Trey. And uh, I had a big week last week. You were up one game going into last weekend. Terrible. We had three different picks, and I hit all three of them. So I'm now up two games on our season-long pick em contest, still with more than half the year left, so plenty of time for me to screw things up. Six games this weekend against the spread. Not the best college or NFL slate we've ever had. Mm. Uh, so we're doing two college games, four NFL games, but that's uh, not a ton to pick from. We'll start with maybe the best game of the college football weekend in the Pac-12 again. Number eight, Oregon at number 13, Utah. The Ducks, six-and-a-half-point road favorites. Trey, I'll give you the honors. Road Bo Nix, BK, which means that in 2023, Oregon is going to cover this game. I think that uh, folks are unnecessarily high on Utah's offense right now just because they look good against USC's defense last week. Uh, I like to Quinton Jackson more than anything else on that Utah offense. But uh, ultimately, I see Oregon who had a bit of an emotional letdown last weekend, uh, bouncing back in a resounding manner and winning this one by double digits. All right, we're on opposite sides here. Um feels like home teams in the Pac-12 have won way more often than not. Uh, I just don't like betting against Utah, especially in Salt Lake at Rice-Eccles. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't feel great about this one, but I'll take Utah covering the six and a half. Texas and BYU, that's our last college game. 
only one other ranked game, and it's Duke and Louisville. And unless we're talking basketball, I don't give a shit. Uh, <laughs> Texas now a 20-point favorite. Oh, that went up by a point. I'm telling you, man. It was 19 when I woke up this morning. It is 20 right now. Uh, I'll go first. I- I'm taking Texas to win, but that's too many points. Um, I'll take BYU plus the 20, but the Longhorns to get the dub. What say you? I think I'm with you on that one. I, all week long, and I think even in the the pick that I gave you a little bit earlier, I had Texas winning by 21, but I'm nervous doing that with a, a first-time starting quarterback, the possibility of seeing Arch, too, and I don't think Texas is necessarily looking to uh, to blow the doors off of this team, whereas they're uh, much more keen on taking care of businesses. Texas probably wins it by somewhere in the 17-point range, which obviously falls below 20. Okay. Cowboys and Rams onto the NFL. Cowboys back in action after the bye week. This game is in Arlington. The Cowboys, of course, beat the other L.A. team before the open week. Now they welcome the Rams to town. Who you got? Uh, What's the line in this one? Six. Six Six-point favorites of the Cowboys? Yes. Um, I think the week off helps them. The Cowboys winning this one probably by the touchdown. The full touchdown and the extra point. We're opposite ends here, too. I'm going to take the Cowboys to win, but I think the Rams keep it close, at least closer than six. I'll take the Rams plus six. Texans at Panthers. Matchup of the top two picks in the NFL draft. Carolina looking for their first win. Houston a three-point road favorite. Uh, like that. Um, I guess give me the Texans to cover that because Carolina sucks this year. And uh, they've got problems that aren't easy to fix from week to week. So, uh, obviously, C.J. Stroud has played great. And I think we've seen signs out of this defense as well. Texans win it by four-plus. I'm no longer betting against the Texans every week. So, I'll join you. Texans minus three. Carolina sucks. Bengals at 49ers. Actually, a decent... Is that a gnat? Yes. I thought I just had a snot rocket during the show. It's like a gnat right below my nose. I think one of those uh, whiskers that you glued Uh, onto your upper lip fell off. Yeah, that might be what that was. Gross. Bengals at Niners. I don't think Brock Purdy's going to play. I don't know if we have anything official. Uh, San Francisco's obviously lost two in a row. Cincinnati's figured some things out as of late. The Niners, a four-point home favorite. This is me Me first. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Take the Niners. Mm. Got him. Nat is dead. See you, Nat. Probably like five more in here. I'll take the Niners. I don't know why I shouldn't bet on them after what they've done the last two weeks, but they're not losing three in a row. Right? Right? Uh, wrong, at least according to my uh, sports guest, BK. I think this is a, a big bounce back game for Cincinnati, a team that has really started to figure things out over the last couple of weeks. All right, last but not least, there are only two winning record versus winning record games in the NFL. Jags Steelers in Pittsburgh, five and two Jacksonville, four and three Pittsburgh. The Jags, a two and a half point road favorite. How does Pittsburgh continue to win games? Or I mean, they're okay defensively. They're not good on offense. Yet here we are, Mike Tomlin once again steering this team into playoff contention. And every time I think that I can believe in the Jags, they let me down. So I guess I've just talked myself into Pittsburgh here, okay. covering that line. Mm. God, I hate this one too. Now I'll go different. Okay, I'll go Jacksonville. So we've got four different picks. This week. Wow, lots of movement possibly, or it could stay completely even. I'm, I uh, just texted you the games that we picked, so we won't have to go back in the archives and figure out who actually picked who. 
Oh, and you get you gave me the lines earlier also. Thank you for that. I got you. I got you. All right. We've got about seven minutes left here before we hand things off to Chip and Zay. Uh, our man Brock is here. We've got the uh, recorded Pest Wrangler spot to give you before we get to where we at in society. Shout out to our friends at Pest Wranglers. Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. What are you doing? I'm making a silly commercial like other companies so people will remember our name. But we're not like other companies. Anyone could see that from our five-star reviews. But how will people remember Pest Wranglers? Well, once they try us, they'll never forget that we are the most effective, reliable, and affordable pest control company. I guess you're right. Pest Wranglers is the best at pest control, wildlife management, termite pest control. Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. What are you doing? Hey, it couldn't hurt. Pest Wranglers, 512-670-7808 or find us on the web at pestwranglers.com. Where are we at in society today? I thank you to Press Wranglers for their sponsorship of Where Are We At In Society. It is your daily look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will give you a story that provides a sense of optimism that has us all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. But sadly, today is not that day. Boy, I love looking you in the eyes as I give that spiel, BK, in person. Give me hope. And you've seen the movie Fight Club before. Overrated. Uh, that's right. That because we watched it as part of the old midday movie reviews. That wasn't a yes or a no. You asked me a yes or no question. I probably should have answered it like that. But yes, overrated. Even as somebody who's not that big a fan of Fight Club, you know what the first two rules of Fight Club are, correct? Don't talk about Fight Club. Yes. And don't talk about Fight Club. You know the reason why we can't have nice things? And by nice things, I mean Fight Clubs. AIDS? Because there's a third rule. Yeah. AIDS certainly wouldn't help if the, somebody in the fight club is dealing with full-blown AIDS. <laughs> that would be a problem. Got AIDS. Uh, but uh, another reason why we can't have fight clubs on top of people not talking about it is because the third rule of fight club should be, I forget what the actual third rule is, but the third rule of fight club should be don't share fight club on social media. And we seem to see these examples cropping up from time to time where a fight club gets shared on social media, ruining the whole damn thing. Oh, no. And that is apparently what has happened in Australia, which is where we go for today's Where Are We At, where violent videos of Australian school children, that's right, kid fight club, are spreading across social media and what police fear is a disturbing new trend. Oh, no. More than 20 of the videos which show kids beating and kicking each other have been shared to one social media page alone within the last month. The trend has swept schools across Melbourne with alarming footage showing students throwing others on the, onto the ground, stomping on each other's heads, and kicking them as well. Where is this happening? Not at the schools, right? This is just after school. These kids are getting together for their own mini fight club. In most cases, it looks like they're off school grounds, but there are a few examples of kids in the school engaging in fight club wow are parents betting on this i guess parents aren't allowed so there's no adults in there this is kids on their own i mean look if you're gonna have kid fight club there there should be some action being thrown down on that you know yeah. kids are gambling on fight club but if parents catch wind of it and are complete degens and yeah they should probably be uh throwing some coin too well, i need an australian kid oh with the mustache i don't know if i should be saying that mm. but I, I need a plug you know i need some lines on this uh yeah well the uh i'm not sure what the lines are the bigger kid is going to kick the littler uh, kid's butt yeah. if we're talking about elementary school age children what a mess dude this yeah. is a real story this is not an onion bit kid fight club in one video uh. two students are fighting in a bathroom with one student thrown to the ground as the other looms over and repeatedly punches him 
Another video shows a boy throwing punches at his victim at least six times in a schoolyard before classmates saved the kid. Even the St. Albans train station became the site of a brawl with the footage showing a female student dragging another girl across the ground. Ooh, cat fight by her dreadlocks as the victim screams for help. Uh, are we sure this is a fight club or are these just a bunch of kids getting in fights because they hate each other? Because all these are happening at different places, which leads me to believe this ain't a fight club. This is just kids being angry at stuff. If you remember back on the movie Fight Club, the Ed Norton slash Brad Pitt character, spoiler alert, is traveling all over the country for fight clubs at a certain point. So this is a network that is fanned out across the greater Melbourne area. Already. We're going to see a bunch of kids fighting at the Australian Open next year in the stands. Well... The alternative to that is what has been happening at the U.S. Open the last few years where they have these privacy tents for people who need to get away from the crowd. Yeah, more gnats. More gnats. Uh, people who have uh, who are given the option of getting away from crowds and are just turning them into love shacks. Oh. So they've had to shut that down. Or maybe that was at Wimbledon. One of the majors had these privacy tents that were being turned into uh, places where people are going to have sex in the middle of a tennis tournament. A little B-52 action with yeah. the Love Shack. So I'd probably rather have kid fight clubs at a tennis tournament than uh, Love Shacks. No, I'd rather have Love Shacks. I don't want kids fighting other kids unless I can bet on it. Well, just kidding. You should come to my place or not on a Saturday evening because I pit my two kids against one another <laughs> okay. and Justine and I are throwing money down. God, you shouldn't say that, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> Our guy Brock commenting on YouTube. That's this Brock. If, if we started a fight club, do you think we can get it sponsored? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We got great salespeople here at Texas Sports Unfiltered. I mean, I feel like uh, that that one is ripe for Tom McKay and audiovisual <laughs> consultations. I think so. Text on the code of text line 512-222-9328. Overrated? What in the flying F is wrong with you? One of the best movies. Yeah, it's a polarizing take for sure. Um, I just, I don't know. It, it didn't do it for me, man. The, the twist was like. I know it's a movie and it's not based on a true story and it's not supposed to be realistic, but the twist was too unrealistic for me to actually be down with it. I mean, folks, look at this guy. He's more a fan of movies that showcase kids. Uh, no, <laughs> I hate movies with kids. You know that I hate movies told from a kid's point of view. They're you, the worst. You can say that, but your mustache is telling me otherwise. I'm just trying to put on a front here, okay? I can't be that <laughs> obvious, dude. You know the rules. Shout out to Covert BK for having us out today. Shout out to all of our great sponsors. Get you some old stat beer this weekend. Get you some Olipop this weekend. Want to give them some love. And, of course, greatblueheronfurniture.com. Definitely a special shout out to them for their great partnership here with us at Texas Sports Un. Filtered. I see Zay in the waiting room. No sign of Chip yet. Anything else we need to mention before we get out of here today, Trey? I'd like to thank you for getting me my Olipop. Yes. For getting me some sweet Texas sports unfiltered swag. Come on. For getting me my uh, Sue Patrick Longhorn shirt. And did you give me the uh, the ticket? No. You didn't You didn't give me the, the ticket? No. Rangers winning the World Series ticket that pays 70 to 1 if they win it. That's staying where it is until it either goes in the trash or it goes to me when I fly to Vegas <laughs> and cash it myself. Oh, boy. Always keeping at least one of my things hostage, aren't you? Yeah, that one, it's, it's for both of us. Me oh. holding on. 
It's for both of us. I already told you, if I was pitching a no-hitter, you could walk up to me in the sixth hey. inning and say, dude, you're doing a great job. We got your back. Keep it up. I don't care about you, it's man. It's not going to break my no-hitter up. I care about me. I need this. I need this. Because <laughs> I'll be depressed for the next year plus if the Rangers don't get this done. I can't do anything that could mess with it. Well, you've already primed yourself. You've already said D-backs in six. Yeah. I'm the one that's that's about to be dealing with some sort of uh, emotional devastation. I said Rangers sweep or Rangers in five. Yeah, you did. I only said Rangers in five because it's stupid to ever call a sweep in the World Series, even though it does happen sometimes. It does happen from time to time. All right, now I see. Maybe I just needed to scroll down. Maybe Chip's been there the whole time and I'm just an idiot. But now I see the fellas. We'll bring on Chip and Zay for a tiny little bit of crosstalk. Fellas, how we doing? Happy Friday. Happy Friday. What up, what up? Oh. Hey. NM, JC, you? Did you guys Whatever ever say that? that? Y'all know no. what that means? NM, NM, JC, back in the AOL. Never mind, Jesus Christ. N- not much, just chilling you. Ah, That's what we wow. would say on AOL Instant Messenger back in the day. A little bit after y'all's time, I guess. Huh? <laughs> I mean, I just try to keep up with you young hipsters. You know what I'm saying? God. Mm. Yeah, you've got you've got a kid in college and a daughter in high school. That's keeping up with them's gotta be tough. I got a sister in high school, Chip, and I, I don't she doesn't speak the same language that you and I speak. I'm convinced. Bruh. <laughs> bruh. <laughs> bruh. A lot of bruh. A lot my of daughter, bruh. My daughter says that to me all the time. Bruh. Uh. I'm like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> my my nine-year-old does that also chip she'll be like bro seriously i'm like i'm not your bro i'm your dad (laughs) now otherwise i'm gonna bet on your brother with our uh, kids fight club coming up in a few hours hey trey they don't call you daddy they don't call you daddy for very long you know no his wife or his kids chip <laughs> I've never had Justine call me daddy. That's weird. What? Like I, I'm your dad having s- no gross, gross. Uh, all right, boys. We'll be listening. Y'all have a great show. See y'all. Great show. Good show, fellas. Appreciate. It.